Become spellweavers, reavers, rogues, and men-at-arms, and answer the call of adventure. Pick up your sword, your axe, your spellbook, your bow, your rulebook, and your dice, and join the forces of good in their eternal fight against vile monsters, conspiring min-maxers, horny bards, and blood-soaked murder hobos. Discover the treasure trove of role-playing games here on Rollin' Bones. My name is Ryan Howard, and I shall be your guide. Good evening, Boneheads, and Merry Christmas. I am your host and king of the Boneheads, Ryan Howard, and this is Rollin' Bones, your treasure trove of RPG interviews and other associated things, uh, your one-stop shop for holiday cheer, and uh, of course, I am the R and OSR, as always. Uh, joining us on this fine uh, prelude to Christmas Eve is, of course, a man who needs no introduction in the whole world you all know him you all love him he is the uh mr burns to victor gorchev's uh smithers ladies and gentlemen the basic expert welcome and uh, merry christmas hey, thank you merry christmas thanks for having me on um yeah this will be a, a fun topic to talk about uh i'm excited to talk about it so <laughs> Absolutely. And the, everyone knows the best way to celebrate Christmas, uh, besides putting on silly hats and dorky sweaters, uh, is to talk about Star Wars. Because, you know, everyone knows Star Wars and Christmas, you know, they go together like peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> I can see that. I mean, there there is a Star Wars special, so. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Shane, I don't have to wear a beard. I don't know if you've noticed. I'm sure John doesn't either. I actually have a Santa beard back here. I was almost going to put it on, but it, it'd probably be super annoying, so I didn't put it on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This is going to get annoying. I know it. I'm going to stick with it because you gotta you got to live the gimmick, but... <laughs> well, and I got the whole coat on. Let's see how long I last in it before I take it off, but we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> Vic, I don't know if I just called you gay. That's I think that's up to your interpretation. I like people in the chat just saying D6 wins. We can yeah. just end the stream. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I told everyone in the lead up to this, uh, not to bury the lead here, but tonight the, the bulk of our conversation is going to be a, I won't say a debate because the debate's already been won, uh, but a discussion on the various merits and uh, comparisons between uh, West End Games, D6 Star Wars, which I have here, and of course John has there with him, and Star Wars Saga Edition, which I don't have with me, but, you know, it's expensive. I'm sorry, I don't have a physical copy. Yeah, you were, you were saying before we went on that it's, like, more expensive than these, so... Yeah. I mean that maybe that could be the first point. These these right here, I have I have originals here. So these are originals. They're as old as I am, from 1987 here, and uh, I think this one was fifty dollars on eBay. And I have the source book uh, that I got 
and that one was $30 on eBay. So, and you were saying the Saga ones are like going for hundreds of dollars for physical copies to yeah. find uh, to find them. Yeah, the, the <laughs> core Saga edition book, um, easily $200 at minimum. And I don't even know if that, uh, like if that would get you a good quality book. I, I'm not sure. I've never even attempted to buy one because I've seen the prices and I've just been like, Ugh, I don't, can't touch that. But like West End Game Star Wars, there is a community dedicated to keeping it alive, and so PDFs are very easy to find. Mm. Uh, I mean, are... that's cool. I... Oh, sorry. Go oh, ahead. sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. I was going to completely transition off that topic. So, uh, if you had more to say, no, I forgot what it is. It's all good. Gotcha. <laughs> this this is cheaper, and <laughs> that that was the point. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Gotcha. But before we get into our uh, discussion, uh, there there's one thing I do want to discuss, and that's my kind of strong association with Star Wars around this time of year. Uh, it, it's always interesting to me, a lot of people tend to kind of gravitate towards uh, nostalgic franchises around Christmas time. And I think that's because when you were a kid at Christmas time, school was out, you had a bunch of free time. Uh, so you, you dive headfirst into a video game or, you know, watch a bunch of movies. Uh, you, you have the time. And one of the things that I would always go to is Star Wars. I would either play uh, Jedi Academy because I bought that game with my birthday money when I was like eight years old. And so my birthday's right around Christmas. Always was playing that game around Christmas time. Or if I had a very long time, I would jump on Star Wars Battlefront 2, I would jump into instant action, and I'd just load up every single map and just play every single map, uh, both Republic and uh, Clone Army, uh, you know, bo both kind of time periods, and, you know, just go through all of them just because I had the time to. And so because of that, to me, Star Wars and Christmas are, like, linked just permanently forever. And I, I think that's cool. I, I think one thing that I, both both uh, games can probably in invoke and that we should cling to is a time when Star Wars was, like, good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it was part of our childhood, and we enjoyed it. And every time a new Star Wars thing came out, you were, you were excited and thrilled that it was happening. Because I, pl I played a lot of Battlefront as well, and now I don't really care to touch any of the new battlefront games yeah. so i totally i totally get your association with christmas there's a lot of i'm sure nostalgia attached to it that that makes it special and will always be that way and i think that's cool and people that have that sort of thing like yourself should should really hold on to that and keep that that going especially in light of the way the franchise has gone in the last decade or so <laughs> so absolutely <laughs> so uh to, to begin our conversation here, uh, since we're kind of doing this as a mock debate, uh, I will begin with an opening statement on uh, the merits of Saga Edition, and then I will let you uh, give an opening statement on the merits of West End Games, and we'll go from there. All right. So, uh, Saga Edition. Yes, it uses the D20 system. Yes, when it came out, everything was D20 adjacent or D20 powered. I understand that. I also understand that it's class-based, and for a lot of people, 
They just can't reconcile class-based and Star Wars. However, in my opinion, Saga Edition has a kind of wide diversity of options, especially if you're looking to play a Force user, where in Saga Edition, I feel, or not Saga, in uh, West End Games, I feel like if a bunch of people at the table want to play Jedi, you're all going to end up with kind of roughly equivalent characters. Whereas in Saga Edition, there's a lot more options to kind of, you know, send your Jedi characters into different uh, kind of schools of the Force. So you've got one that's more of a wizard type, one that's more of a fighter type, one that's kind of more balanced. That's great. Also, I feel like uh, just by kind of the nature of when it came out, Saga Edition has better support for the expanded universe stuff. So, you know, moving beyond the original trilogy uh, into some of the, you know, books and video games that came out after that and into the prequel era and beyond. So uh, there's a lot of support in particular for uh, the Old Republic. And a lot of people of my generation, if they're going to venture outside of cinematic Star Wars, one of the first places they're going to go is the Old Republic. So uh, for because of that and because of the kind of wide array of options uh, that you're given in the player's handbook to make your characters go in different directions, even if they're ostensibly the same class, I think that Saga Edition is a game worth playing. Okay. Um... I never. I didn't prepare a, a statement. I, I, I'll admit I've gone into this. Uh, I'm going in by the seat of my pants, but I will do the best I can to do West End Games Star Wars D6 justice. So, I think to to your point of um, to, to kind of uh, this this almost is somewhat somewhat class based in that you have templates. Character creation is obviously very different. Uh, than what you get in the D20 version. Uh, you're given templates, and then you're given 7D, 7 dice that you can apply to various sub-skills of those attributes that you have specific die codes for. So, yes, you are correct in that, like, uh, most classes, if you're going to be a smuggler, if you're going to be a Jedi, a mercenary, a, a Wookiee, something like that, you're going to have the same base uh, attribute scores. But... Uh, the sub-skills is where it gets different, and how you improve them, how you apply your points, will, will over time, allow your character to become different from... Like, if you're playing a Wookiee, it'll be different from your buddy's Wookiee over time, potentially. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I think what this game does really well um, is that it really captures the original trilogy vibe and feel in... Um, a way for me that really captures like that 12 year old me that when I first saw Star Wars I thought was uh, the greatest thing ever uh, I, I think that this does a really good job of taking those original movies and just mining the old concept art, the unused concept art for it and uh, creating a very fleshed out world that you can adventure in with your friends and it feels very original trilogy, which I, to me, I, I know people love that have grown up with their prequel films and they love 
there's people that love the prequels. Like to them, the prequels are what these films were to me as a kid. But I'm not that I'm not that person. I'm not that guy. I'm a little too old for that. So I think the original trilogy is what started it all. The expanded universe started from these books, the source book, the Imperial source book, the Alliance source book, um, and many of the adventures. When when uh, Timothy Zahn was writing the um, uh, the Thrawn trilogy, he was given these books, these core books, as reference for writing his story. So we wouldn't really have the lore that you mentioned in Star Wars uh, uh, Saga if it wasn't for this game in the first place, I think, and what West End Games did, which was take something that I think George Lucas sort of threw together and made it a fun, like, pulpy space opera film out of, and they fleshed out and made a, a living world that you could adventure in with it. So I think that part is great. I think the mechanics are super simple. It's different. Like you said, it is a, Saga's a D20. This is D6 base and only D6. D6s are easy to find. Um... And I think this game's just easy to pick up and play. The bare bones rules. Let's see. Uh, the bare bones rules for this game are. Let's count how many pages they are. Yep. This is like what players have to to memorize. One, two, three, uh, four, five, six pages. Mm -hmm. It's like the the core rules that like really all you need to know. So I think that makes it something that's very easy to just sort of. Uh, you could do it on the fly almost because everyone's pretty familiar with Star Wars. You can just say, hey, you guys want to play some Star Wars, some West End game Star Wars, and you can just sit down, pick a template, uh, apply your uh, seven uh, dice to your various sub-skills, and uh, you can get going right away. And everyone's going to roughly understand the rules like instantly through play. There's, there's not going to be too much confusion. So to me, that that's kind of what makes this get like knocked out of the park that and it's it's cinematic nature it's it to me it's built for theater of the mind and i think that that part makes it unique and different and uh quite cool and, and cinematic at the same time yeah yeah absolutely and this is where kind of the debate portion is going to fall apart uh because ultimately i have played i played both games and i do agree that this is the superior uh, Star Wars experience for the most part, and to address uh, a little bit about what I said, the the answer here, in as far as how do you create kind of the best overall Star Wars experience for any era of play, the answer is to use uh, these rules and then find the source book PDF for the era or region that you're playing in uh, that they released for Saga Edition and just kind of like change things out i it, you'll have to kind of like switch stats around and stuff like that um you're not going to be able to pull stat blocks out of those books obviously but you'll be you'll still be able to use all that crunch all that lore uh say you you want to run your your game on nar shada like i always tend to do when i run a star wars game uh this, you know, these books don't have a lot of information on uh, Nar Shada, but there's entire chapters of books from Saga Edition on that specific uh, planet slash moon slash city. So 
if I were to run things the smart way, I would just take all that information and then run it using uh, the, the D6 rules. Yeah, I mean, and another point, too, is the, the rules for template creation are very easy. So, like, if you wanted to make something extremely unique, or let's say there's an alien race out there that you know something about in the Star Wars universe, but there's no stat block for it. The rules for doing it in Western game Star Wars T6 are just like an extra five minutes of to build the template and then, you know, two minutes to add your 7D on top of that. So, because I'll, I'll admit, like, having gone into this not knowing much, I was kind of turned off at first by the template idea mm. until I read more into it and I'm like, oh, okay, well, wait, you know, the templates are, and the book says it there, like, they're kind of there just for suggestions and you're given very clear rules on creating your own templates so if you want to make a special kind of Jedi or you want to be a special kind of alien or a special, uh, like I'm going to be doing a play by post this of this on the Gilded server and um, Vic wants to play uh, a aging clone trooper, you know, and there's no, that didn't exist when this was written, but right. with the yeah. simple template creation rules, like you could, you could easily stat out what that would, an aging uh, clone trooper would probably be. So I think that's cool. Yeah. Now, how do you feel that the uh, the template system stacks up against what you have with the D twenty system, which is an established kind of class path, and even in the case of Saga Edition, uh, like prestige class paths, because we're dealing with essentially a third edition ecosystem. I mean, I mean, given my OSR tendencies, I'm not really big on that kind of stuff. Like, I don't. I don't like paths. I don't like the, I'm going to build this character and then in five levels, I'm going to be this, you know, and I want to make this choice here. And, and I don't want to fault Saga for it. Like it, here's the thing. I think um, this is just drawing from the original trilogy and that's it. The original trilogy, some of George Lucas's notes and some unused concept art. That's what went into this. The Saga books, I feel like, because it is that D20 system, by that point, I feel like the D&D, the D20 system, was already being heavily influenced by video games and that video gamey sort of, of concept of, of what a... It was bleeding into the tabletop RPG sphere at that point. And so the Saga books are not just influenced by the original films and the prequel films, but they're also influenced by that video game influence that's just inherent in the D20 system as it's been since Watsi took it over. So it's just, it's just not to my taste, I guess. I prefer, now that I know more about this and have toyed around with this, I think the template system is very simple and elegant and it allows uh, to create lots of different things that you would otherwise... And you can make any kind of thing you want in it as a character still. Um, you're not really too limited, aside from like the 18D that you're you're limit, limited to in applying to attributes. But um, there's that still gives so much creative freedom, in my opinion, to, to character creation. Um, and you're not too concerned about like, well, down the line, like down the line, all you're worried about is like, where am I going to dump points and skills? Right. And like, that's it. Yeah. So... Yeah, and I don't know, it feels more it feels more cinematic, I guess. Feel, this is geared towards more cinematic play, yeah. and instead of like a, a video Star Wars video game, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's I mean, 
It's funny that you mentioned video games because when you look at Saga Edition, if you're familiar with Knights of the Old Republic, uh, the system is instantly familiar to you. It's it's mm -hmm. basically the Star Wars D20 system and Star Wars Saga Edition that was an improvement on the original D20 system essentially is the system that powers uh, Knights of the Old Republic and Knights of the Old Republic 2 because Bioware built Knights of the Old Republic on a foundation of what's essentially third edition D&D &D rules. Um, so you'll you'll see the similarities when you play Saga Edition. But for a lot of people, including myself nowadays, I wasn't always this way, but these days I very much am, anything in an RPG, a tabletop RPG that reminds you of a video game will probably immediately turn you off because these days when I encounter video game-like mechanics in tabletop role-playing games, I immediately think limitations. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, the limitations in this are just... Okay, I you, you there's like 26 different templates, I think, in the back of this book. So, I mean, already you're given a ton of options of what you could and can and can't be. And let's say for some reason one of those 20-something doesn't appeal to you, make your own. And really the only limitation is your imagination and um, the 18 dice that you can apply to skills, yep. which... So to me, like I, there's almost like like I said, like it's it's a pseudo class system in that you are yes there are templates and you, even if you're creating a custom template, you're still creating a template, but it's not quite a class because it's just so freeform. It's so um, and, and you know maybe this comes down to like a totally separate debate too of like this is a skill based game mm -hmm. as opposed to D twenty which is a level based game. Yeah. So. I mean, those those two things encourage advancement in two completely different ways. And you know, I I've I love my OSR games and BX, but skill based games like this and Traveler and Call of Cthulhu, uh, all always will have a special place in my heart because I just there's just something special to me that that skill based games sort of touch on that the level based games do not. Yeah, and a lot of that I think comes down to whether or not you think Star Wars is something that is designed kind of more with a class-based type ethos or a uh, a skill-based type ethos, which I think there's an argument for either way. Because, mm -hmm. and this is a discussion that we've had a little bit on the show before, uh, but in my mind, when it comes to fantasy, uh, class-based works a lot better than skill-based. But when it comes to something that's more like sci-fi or more of a, uh, you know, modern setting or pulp setting, skill-based tends to work a little bit better. Um, and that's the funny thing about Star Wars. Star Wars is sci-fi, kind of. It's also kind of fantasy. It's also very pulpy. And so the, it's weird in kind of the, the genre morass that is Star Wars and where exactly you play Star Wars or what elements you emphasize with your Star Wars game, whether or not uh, a class-based or a skill-based system is going to be what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, it, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it, I mean, Star Wars is like, it's sci-fi in that there's spaceships and there's droids and robots and 
laser guns and stuff, but it's also they're space wizards, and there's a there's a large fantasy element to it as well. So yes, like I can see why some people would like Saga over this, you know, especially if you're a third edition fan, and that's just what you're comfortable and familiar with. Um, and I I see the merits of how a level based system in Star Wars would work, but yeah, I don't know, just something about the the what feels like almost limitless possibilities with template creation as far as character creation is concerned in star wars d6 just really appeals to me hmm. um and i just love like the the layout in the book too it's very easy to read and it's just written i don't i'll be honest i've not looked at saga um i've just never been that interested in anything third edition if i'm honest yeah. it just was something that's just not like it's not in my wheelhouse as far as systems are concerned but this is written in just such a like I said earlier, like I, I was reading this. I've been kind of turned off from Star Wars for probably since, um, probably since The Force Awakens. I liked The Force Awakens when it first came out until I thought about it a little bit, and I'm like, this movie sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've kind of just been turned off ever since. And so reading this again just kind of like sparked that in me, where that kid in me was excited about Star Wars again. Oh, yeah. And um, I don't know if Saga invokes that same sort of feeling, but this definitely did. Mm-hmm. In my mind, the main merit of Saga, as far as reminding you of the, the best parts of Star Wars, is just kind of the breadth of what all it covers and how much kind of stuff they put into it. Um and it can get kind of bloaty at times. I understand how some people would, would be turned off by just the sheer volume of options, uh, especially since it's in that third edition ecosystem. Uh, but y- you do make a good point that, you know, in in a world where Star Wars has become as bloated and overripe and overexposed and corporatized and sanitized as it has been, uh, having something that's kind of, you know, rough and old school and, uh, you know, just kind of bringing Star Wars back to its roots is something that a lot of people are looking for. And you're not going to find that with Saga Edition, unfortunately. You're, you're going to find that with uh, West End Game Star Wars. I think it's important to point out in chat too here. There's some chat comments here. Uh, Shane Winters says uh, he, he wants to point out the difference between first and second edition of Western game Star Wars. There's a slight bit of bloat in second edition. Um, yeah, you know, if you go to StarWarsTimeline.net uh, forward slash Western games, where you can get a lot of the PDFs for this, uh, there is like a lot of books here and a lot of the second edition books get huge i know max here in chat saying he's not a fan of the wild die i'm not a fan of the wild die either um which is why i chose to cover this on my channel um and and i choose to play this version of the game as opposed to second which uh this i don't know i i i'm of the mind that oftentimes the first time creators try and make something they kind of it might be raw and it might be um uh, a little rough around the edges, but it's a, generally going to be a better game than what a lot of later editions become. For the most part, you know. Uh, obviously, there's exceptions, but like, there's just something sort of uh, raw and honest in that first edition of most things, and I feel that in this. So I know some people love their second edition. I know some people love the Wild Die. 
but yes, the two are the two games do feel a little different, and they do play a little different. Um, my suggestion would be go first edition if you're going to look for it. Again, I got these very affordably, and the PDFs are easy to find online. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's always interesting. Um, the idea of new additions to RPGs. It's something that's become normal because, you know, D&D did it. Mm -hmm. In a lot of cases, though, there's a lot of iteration for iteration's sake. It has to be different because we put a different title on this book. We called it a new edition. So we have to change something, whether or not that something is, you know, actually needed changing or not. Uh, so it, it is interesting how with a lot of RPGs uh, like this, you know, the the subsequent iterations aren't as good or, or, you know, don't hit quite the same note that the original did. Uh, I've not played any of uh, second edition uh, West End games, Star Wars. I've only played uh, essentially first edition rules. Uh, so I don't know. I, I am a fan of Savage Worlds, though. So, uh, you know, Wild Die is not a bad word to me. I don't know if it works mm. the same way, but um also too uh shane points out the initiative system in this so it was changed i think even later in first edition it was changed from what is written in this book there was some rule there was a rules update which changes some target numbers for different for skill checks and the initiative system in this is really cool in that uh what i like about it is that Let's say you, you're a stormtrooper and I'm a smuggler and we're going to shoot at each other. Like, who gets to go first in combat? Well, it's whoever rolls the highest, whoever succeeds more. And so then if I hit you and deal damage, well, then your shot just doesn't come off. Or, like, if you're trying to run, like, you would use your, your, your movement die or your, your, your uh, uh, dexterity or whatever to try and get out of the way to see if you're able... Like, if, if my shot fails against your dexterity to get out of the way and, and to, to move and shoot like then then you get to do your thing and i'm the one that's that's screwed i think it's just such a unique way of instead of like well let's roll for initiative every round it's sort of just declare what you're doing and then roll the dice and whoever whichever side of of that if it's if it's affecting someone else who rolled better that person goes first that that's the person that 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 goes first i think that's so simple and unique I'd like to see that in more games, and it's a shame they changed it later. Um, I'm assuming Saga has like the traditional individual initiative that we all know and are familiar with, which is fine. You know, it works. There's there's something to be said about it working, but like there were some unique ideas like that in this that you just don't really see in other games. That I think is even if you're not going to play this, that's it's a it's a concept that's interesting to look at, and you should take a peek at how it works because it, it could be useful for whatever game you're running in my opinion if you want to switch things up a little bit mm -hmm. now on a completely different subject uh one of my favorite things about star wars is the fact that it can be run and and experienced in a very uh kind of western vibe there's a lot of star wars media that's very evocative of westerns uh, and I will say right off the bat, Saga Edition does not do a good job of that. 
because it's class-based D20 system and D20-based Westerns don't seem to work all that well. Um, with that being said, how do you feel, uh, based on your experience with uh, kind of the, the West End Games rules, how do you feel that it would do with something like, uh, you know, kind of a Mandalorian-type situation where it leans more on the spaghetti Western influence of Star Wars? Oh, I think it'd be perfect. Um, I think it would work really well for, for that kind of game. Because that's another thing that, that should be touched on. Mm-hmm. What this, what this, I'm assuming in, in Saga, Jedi could become quite powerful. Yes. If I, I'm, I'm sure. They can become quite powerful. With this is, and that's because I think it's referencing, uh, and this bugged me when the prequels came out a little bit, what the force was and how it worked and how powerful it exactly was and how it could be manipulated. Cause in the prequels, you know, they're, I know it's cool, but they're doing the flips and they're doing the super high jumps and they're, you know, doing these superhuman feats of strength, which this somewhat references a little bit in there and even leaves room for like, there's say there's, you know, Jedi powers that are, uh, go beyond these powers, but they've been lost because the Jedi have all been eradicated. So if you are playing a Jedi in this, you are playing like, it's a very, I would, I would say Saga is like a very high magic setting. If I'm, if I'm probably right there, right. Um, probably if you were to compare it to a fantasy thing and this is more like low magic. And so I think that's why it would work really well in a Western thing. Like you could throw someone who is still a force user in this based on these rules and they're not going to break the balance of the game all too much, at least not for a while. So I, I think that's cool. You could run a game in this where like nobody is a Jedi and you'll still have lots of fun and it will work immensely well in that spaghetti Western space opera style game, you know. Crafty uh, Matt's not here, but he's talked a lot about how when I think he was said he was in high school, he ran uh, a smuggler game for a year or two that was this and all the guys were just like, smugglers they're they're all non force users that were just out there trying to make a quick credit you know so i think it'd work it's it's almost like it, it's built for that kind of game really i think it really wants you to play that kind of game <laughs> but then kind of swinging to the other side um how do you think west End game star wars would adapt to a let's use that same terminology a higher magic system Let's say you were playing in, uh, you know, the the Republic pre-Clone Wars. Not even necessarily the Old Republic, but the Republic, like, right before uh, the events of the Phantom Menace. Or if you were playing during uh, the New Jedi Order, where uh, Luke Skywalker has already established the New Jedi Order. How do you think it would scale uh, with Jedi being a little bit more common? Uh, do, do you think there's enough variety in what's offered as far as Force powers and, and Force use do you think there's enough there uh, for a game with more of that emphasis on Jedi uh, to, to work the same that it would in something like Saga Edition? I mean, I think it probably could. It might not do, simulate it exactly as well. Because again, when these were made, like the Force powers were, were somewhat simple, right? Like, yeah. oh, I can I can influence your thoughts. I can move objects with my mind. Um, Luke does a few little force jumps here and there, but it's nothing like all over the place. Um, 
there's no like super speed running that's like horrible CG. <laughs> And 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 so that's the kind of powers that it's that this is referencing. I think a I think a referee or a GM who's uh, pretty savvy could probably hack the game to to fit it pretty well. Um, for me, I haven't really thought about that because like I I I'm not really adventuring during the the clone dur- during like pre prequels or something like that is something that's just not really interested me. I know it interests some people and. But I don't know. I, I'm more interested in the original trilogy era, that era of of the the dirty ships and you know stuff just looks like it's cobbled together to to get going, rather than what I always felt like the prequels felt like a lot more polished, which always bothered me as well, as far as like the technology is concerned. Uh, look, it just seemed like different tech for to me. Like the I don't know, it was weird. Um. But I think it could work, probably not as well as Saga, because the Jedi are, are shown to be much more powerful in that prequel era and in the Old Republic era. and that This era where the Jedi are more prevalent, they're being trained by masters and they have the Padawan and master relationship. Like, it's, it, it stands to reason they're going to be more skilled than like Luke Skywalker, who has to kind of teach himself, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, he has teachers, but... How much training did Luke actually have? He didn't. He didn't have nearly as much as people during that um, previous those previous eras. So, right. I think it could work. It would take some work from a GM, from a referee, to make it work. But I think the tools that you need are there. Uh, it's just not going to spell it out for you quite as as easily as maybe Saga would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's. Um, I, I I mean I love West End games, and I'm fully committed to. Uh, y- essentially running all of my star wars games moving forward in uh the west end games d6 system however because my brain as a gm goes how am i going to make the players the most special people uh or not the most special people because i know people are going to be like well now you sound like a sparkle troll gm the most important people for the story that they're uh, going to be kind of interacting with. I don't want them to feel like I'm over here doing uh, the grunt work while Luke Skywalker is off doing all of the important stuff. I want the players to feel like what they're doing is the most important thing that could be done at that moment. So with that in mind, I like to set my Star Wars adventures either just before The Phantom Menace, like the time period where uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi is a youngling or a young Padawan, or go all the way to the other end and have it be fully new Jedi Order. These guys are being trained by Luke Skywalker and Kyle Katarn and Mara Jade to, you know, how to be Jedi, and they're going off into unexplored corners of the galaxy. So, essentially, uh, like, the, the areas that uh, outbound flight went to is where I would set that game. Um, that's just kind of my ecosystem. That's, you know, what I think should be done. And, uh, you know, Shauner has jumped in chat here saying never have the players meet their heroes. That's why I like to put, uh, like Luke Skywalker in a mentor role, because at that point, Luke's story is, 
pretty much concluded, and he is able to be more of that kind of wise NPC that players can come back to. He's not doing his, you know, full-on adventure thing anymore. He is now, he's a Jedi Master, and he's, at that point, the Grand Master of the Jedi Order by virtue of being the most powerful Jedi alive. Uh, so he's not going to be going around planet to planet, uh, you know, dealing with the Imperial Remnant or the Yuzhong Vong or, you know, whatever threat you want to pull from the expanded universe. That's going to fall on the Knights. And who are the Knights in this case? The players. I could see that. Uh, I I guess it's just a different approach to the game. You know, like I have no problem setting my games during the original trilogy, but just setting the players uh, off someplace else far away where like they're kind of away from the stuff we see in the films. Um, and, and maybe it's a little bit of trepidation on my part, but because Western games does give you statistics for like Han Solo, yeah. Princess Leia, Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader even. So like you can use those statistics and have the players meet these characters. Mm. Um, I mean, if you throw Darth Vader at them, they're probably going to die, but <laughs> you know, uh, but I, I'm, I'm reluctant to use those things in my own games because I feel like I would, could I do justice to that character? You know, like I don't want to butcher it. Mm. <laughs> I don't want to butcher that character or, or, it's it's that's the hard part I think of these kinds of games that are like on these known IPs where there's like very famous characters within them at least from from my perspective and this is going to this would be a problem in saga for me as well if I was going to run a saga saga game mm-hmm. is everyone has that preconceived notion in their mind of like who that character is and what they should be and can I live up to that standard in presenting them at the table and I would have a very hard time doing that I think, um, to make Luke who Luke is, or Vader as terrifying as Vader is, or Han Solo as, as suave, whatever as he is, you know, like I, that, that would be a, I'd probably do it if I had to, maybe I'd give it a shot, but I, I'd do it with some, again, like some trepidation and, uh, and some fear. <laughs> and I, uh... I use the I use the Jedi Academy Jedi Knight Dark Forces that uh, specific series of games is kind of my template for how to introduce established characters into uh, your world, but still have your main character feel like the main character, or still have in this case your players feel like the most important character. Uh, so uh, Jedi Knight Jedi Outcast. There's an entire level where uh, you're fighting alongside Lando Calrissian. Uh, he's there. He's he's doing stuff like he's helping you along the way, but Lando never feels like he's more important than Kyle Katarn at that point. There's a similar thing in uh, Jedi Academy. There's a level where you uh, fight alongside Chewbacca. He's there. He's he's you know contributing to uh, the adventure that you guys are on, but he's not in any way overshadowing Jaden core. So having circumstances where your, your characters are fighting alongside each other, even if like Luke Skywalker is there and he has his lightsaber and he's, you know, at the height of his powers doing essentially what he does in like the Mandalorian have the like paths branch. So like Luke's going to go over here. He has to take care of this right now. Uh, but what you guys are doing right now this thing over here is way more important or Luke needs you to assist by doing this, uh, which is going to ultimately, you know, help us win the day. 
Uh, but at the end of the day, like your 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 big bad, you know, the the dark Jedi or you know Sith reborn or whatever you're gonna throw at your players uh, shouldn't be taken down by one of those main characters. They should be taken down by the players. Sure. Yeah. I mean, for for me, for my play-by-post game that I plan on doing for this, it'll be just after the Battle of Yavin. I'm not quite certain where I want to put the the start of it at, but it's going to just be like they're in a ship and they're just trying to make credits and survive, you know, in, in this, this galaxy where there's now this civil war, this yeah. uh, rebellion that's sprung up. How do you... How do you navigate that that world as just some guys in a spaceship trying to make make a credit or two and survive? And what what kind of things would you get wrapped up in? That's that's kind of what I'm uh, trying to figure out. And you know, I'm not opposed, I guess, to having them meet established characters. Again, I just would I just want to, I guess, unlike Disney, <laughs> you know, if I'm given if I'm given this character to like represent them in my story, in my adventure, in my at my table. I want to do that character justice and not screw it up. <laughs> yeah. You know. So, not not make Luke this bitter old man that drinks green milk from the breast of a weird alien. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's kind of the other extreme is, you know, you want your players to be important, but if you're if you're going to be, you know, throwing in the classic characters too, you don't want them to be like you don't want to portray them as like ineffectual or uh, like punk them out to the new players. Like you, you don't want, uh, you don't want a PC smuggler to like beat up Han Solo. That's not going to be fun for anyone at the table, uh, especially like a, a Star Wars fan. Because even you know if the if the person who beats up Han Solo, you know, like that might be a feather in your cap. But at the end of the day, you know, if they're a fan of Han Solo, they're going to be like. It's kind of like beating up your dad, almost. <laughs> and like your dad didn't really do anything wrong, and yeah. you like still really like you still really like him, but you beat him up. So. <laughs> 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 no, yeah, I, I, that that's I guess that's why. Um, if I'm going to use those established characters, it's going to have to be with with reverence. Uh, kind of off topic, but like I, I've ran a lot of adventures in Middle Earth, and it's the same thing with that. Like if the players run across. Gandalf, or this is in One Ring as well. Like if they run across Gandalf or something like that, like, oh shoot, I better do this right because that's yeah. a very like, you know, important character for them to run across. You you know, and so you got to present that character properly. But I guess that's something that's that's going to be an issue. Like I said, in this, it's going to be an issue in Saga. No matter what system you're using, that's that's like a above the system sort of issue that I think that's up to the GM and not the rule set. <laughs> now with that said there there is a like there's a certain tier of character that i feel is untouchable and you don't want to make them look too bad but you know if your adventuring party happens to run by dengar and ig88 you you can fuck up dengar and ig88 i'm not gonna <laughs> no need to be precious about them or you know bosk or someone like that just you know take them out you can take them. Come on. <laughs> well, and I and I think like um, with some of this stuff too, and I think it's what I like about this here. Like, if I were to run this, I would run this as if it was 1987. Yeah. And all all we had was this, these books, and the original trilogy. Mm -hmm. And so there's there's not even the expanded universe yet to 
fuck up, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, it's just, the, the, to me, that's, like, super freeing as well. Like, if you go in with that mindset of, of, of this is 1987, there's only been the original three films and these books, that means, like, stars are the limit, quite literally, of, of what, what kind of story or adventure that can happen. And so... I think that's cool. That's probably, that's how I'm going to treat, that's how I treat this is I, I love the expanded universe, but I, I'm also not going to be necessarily beholden to it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if that makes sense. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then, and I've talked about this particular adventure, um, that, that I have an idea for several times, but I feel like this is the kind of adventure I would run if you said, all right, Ryan, you have to run something in specifically the time frame of the OT. Uh, I would have the party be part of the Rebel Alliance. They end up uh, running from the Imperials, and they crash land on a planet that's not really on anyone's radar. So the Imperials don't have a presence there. It's kind of a desolate place. It's kind of, you know, like off the beaten path. It's the perfect place to try to lay low and hide from the Imperials. But when they get there, they find out that a Jedi who escaped from Order 66 has essentially made himself the warlord of this planet. And they have to deal with uh, the fallout of there's this Jedi. He's not. You know, if there's a Jedi in the party, you know, he's not following uh, the light side. This guy has definitely mm. kind of given over to the dark side and he rules these people the same way that like the the same way that Joris Sabayoth was uh, when they found him in Heir to the Empire. So, something similar to that, only it, it would be a lot more uh, kind of Thunderdome-y. There, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm picturing I like, like a, a pit where... This Jedi is like, you know, find me the toughest people in the galaxy and bring them here and I will kill them to demonstrate my power. I, I like it. I mean, this idea of a fallen, taking out a fallen Jedi, that's cool. Hmm. I, I think that's neat. But again, like, yeah, don't be beholden to established lore. Tell the, I mean, the, that's what's cool about these books, too, is it encourages you, encourage, encourages you to make the kind of adventures that you want to make yep. within the Star Wars universe. Like, here are your Star Wars action figures. Go play with them. <laughs> you know yeah. so which i think that might piss off some people but like that's that's the i don't know that seems to be the approach that west end game star wars d6 wants to guide you to and maybe that's the benefit of it and, and why people love and have fond memories of this game because it was before there was a lot of stuff in the expanded universe for you to sort of screw up so, so they could do whatever they wanted. Like you could go meet Luke, Luke Skywalker and go on a mission with him that probably later contradicted some aspect of the lore that was established at that point. But you know, it wasn't written down yet. You wrote it down. This is what happened. So I don't know. I think that's cool. I kind of want to cap recapture that and run a game that I want my games with this to feel like that. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, that's kind of the, the best way to experience any licensed RPG uh, that's based around an expanded or, you know, a, a well-known uh, IP or fictional universe. You have this sandbox and all of these 
uh, Star Wars toys or, uh, you know, DC superhero toys or, you know, whatever it is, whatever the system is. And you can kind of like smash them into each other however you want. So I, you know, the, the ideal is to kind of ignore the canon that's around, uh, you know, these IPs and just have a blast throwing, you know, anything and everything at the players. That's why, you know, like Darth Vader is statted. They, they statted Darth Vader because they know that, you know, some GM is going to want to be like, all right, you guys encounter Darth Vader. Do you think you can take him? Cause <laughs> you know, if they do take, well, if you're, if you're, West End Games Star Wars Party takes down Darth Vader. I'm going to say you're GMing it wrong, but... <laughs> I will agree with that. The, the story of we fought and took down Darth Vader is... Uh, that's one of those like high-five-at-the-table moments that uh, people chase with RPGs. So uh, even though you probably did it wrong, uh, that's why stuff like that is present in these books. Sure. I mean, it, it's sort of like in the, the, the separate. You got to be careful though, because it's sort of like in in Call of Cthulhu. This is the problem I had with Call of Cthulhu: is if you throw too many awesome eldritch things at the players, you know, and they overcome them, even if they go a little mad. But you overcome them; they, they overcome them when they they face something else. Like, oh, here's here's. Uh, you you took out Darth Vader and now here's a group of bounty hunters after you and they're just like it's not a big deal yeah. we killed Darth Vader <laughs> like you know like it's it's you you sort of uh, throw a wet it, it seems awesome but you throw a wet blanket on it so you have to use those sorts of things very carefully that's yeah. yes they put them in there because they wanted to give you all the toys to play with but yeah you got to be careful. <laughs> I shot Azathoth in the face with a bazooka. What What are you going to do now? Yeah. Oh, this mummy, this mummy creature that you're throwing at me. I'm not scared of that. A stupid mummy, like or a skeleton, like uh, I, I, uh, I sh- sh- blew up Cthulhu's face with a with a stick of dynamite. I shoved it down his throat. Like, <laughs> you know, it's no big deal. <laughs> Absolutely. So. I mean, I guess to kind of round out the Star Wars discussion before we get into our, our secondary topic here, um, I, I I have now settled on, and I, I kind of felt this way coming in, but I have now settled on the system that you want to use to run Star Wars is uh, Weston Games D6 role-playing. Even you, Sexbot, that has showed up in my chat, you should also run your Star Wars games using Weston game Star Wars D6. Um, and I hope you find whoever it is you're looking for in here. Uh, Lord knows this is an RPG show. None of us are having sex. So <laughs> I have proof. I did it one time. I have a daughter, so <laughs> at least once, <laughs> but uh, if you want to expand kind of the possibilities of the worlds that you're in, Finding that uh, Saga Edition material, especially, uh, I believe someone earlier said, uh, yeah, Shane Winter earlier said the D6 community has actually done a lot of the heavy lifting for you as far as restatting Saga Edition content 
uh, to fit within the D6 system. So those resources are out there. Uh, definitely combine your uh, your forces there and, and make the ultimate Star Wars experience for yourself and your players. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? It's there. <laughs> so uh, we do have an alternate topic here as we, uh, you know, come to uh, the, the closing uh, minutes of the, the show here. Uh, today, one of my favorite YouTubers, Short Fat Otaku, released a video uh, that he called the Brain Dead Twitter Discourse Awards. And he was talking about all of the uh, various uh, Twitter discourses that were just, you know, stupid that he encountered this year. And so I'm going to do something similar here. Uh, but because this is Rolling Bones, because this is your RPG treasure trove, uh, we're going to focus it in on role-playing games and role-playing Twitter. Because uh, Lord knows there are plenty of brain-dead Twitter discourses within uh, just our narrow field here. So... Uh, to, to kick it off here, uh, John, what was your favorite uh, brain-dead RPG Twitter discourse this year? Uh, there's been a couple. Some of them I've instigated myself. But <laughs> um, I guess most recently there was that one where that podcast was talking to some random danger-haired sparkle trolls about um, it's, a character shouldn't die until the player is ready for the character to die. And just such, just the advice. It's funny, but it's also just like shit advice. It's going to make people's experiences at the table just awful for everyone. Like the GM, the player, it's going to ruin games. You're giving advice to ruin games and you think you're doing it as, as good advice. And it's just like the cringiest stuff you'd ever hear. Like, oh, my character can't die till I'm ready for them to die. I don't know. You consented to having your character die when you, fucking wrote your hp total on the paper so, <laughs> yeah that one was pretty good character <laughs> character death i it was one of those things i didn't even expect there to be a discourse around like some of the stuff i understand why certain people feel certain ways i think they're stupid and they're wrong but i understand where they're coming from character death i don't get it at all um i like, yeah, that the possibility is present. You can die in video games. You can die in almost any, you know, form of... This isn't, this isn't a fantasy novel. You know, that... Go read a book I, if you want that. Yeah, I, I don't know what else to tell you. The, the character that you start with probably... I don't know about probably. I think that depends on how you uh, personally play your character. But the character you start with might not be the character you end with. And that's mm -hmm. fine. That's how, that's how the game works. Yeah. Uh, I'll say one more too. Is back in uh, February, so it was at the beginning of the year, uh, right around my daughter's birthday. I made a tweet making fun of eThoughts in the TTRPG sphere, um, and it was just a complete shit show. Like I was getting DMs of 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 cleavage and and boobs and tweets at me of it like Haha, you you stupid insult like you you hate women so here are my boobs and it was like what's wrong with you people so that was kind of funny it kind of proved my point too i was just yeah. making fun of how 
these ethos manipulate nerds and uh, the iconography of the hobby in order to funnel people to like their OnlyFans or something, and it pissed off a bunch of people. So that was that was funny. That was that was another one that was fun for me. <laughs> yeah, and I mean like. It, it, this is one of those things that's going to get clipped and and possibly well I don't know if I warrant discussion on a low level podcast uh, that's the opposite of what I talk about here. But what value do those people bring to the game? I mean, yeah, we all growing up, you know, like the idea of you know girls playing games with us just because they mostly didn't, uh, but. You you stand next to a stack of books and a D20 with, um, you know, your your boobs hanging out. What what are you contributing to the the discourse of how we play these games, how we run these games? You know, what, you're not helping us become better players or better dungeon masters. You're just, you know, this is something where there is clout to chase, so you are chasing clout in that particular manner because mm-hmm. role-playing games have had a, a, you know, a surge in popularity. So my whole thing about, like, influencers and influencer culture, I don't like it, but I respect the people who are actually doing creative work, who are actually making people think about the game and how it's played. Even, you know, whatever your thoughts on, you know, someone like Matt Colville, and I know, uh, you know, some people love him, some people hate him. Matt Colville has a couple times made me think about how I play this game. So I'm not willing to, uh, you know, like, throw him out and say he's completely worthless because he's said a few things that have gotten me thinking about, you know, the, the way I think about this game. So... That's what I want more of. And if you are doing that and you also just so happen to have your boobs out, then fine. I guess I would question, you know, how fulfilling is that for you? Like, is that really what you want to be known for? But, you know, if you're talking about the game, fine. But if you're just, you know, ooh, I'm going to roll my dice very seductively. I don't need you here. Well, those are two of mine. You only asked for one, but I gave you two. Sorry. <laughs> Victor has brought up uh, one of my favorites here having to know the basic rules is gatekeeping uh, that one oh, yeah, has was... popped up um, but I, I think you know that one aside this one is also one that uh, Crossface uh, participated in a lot and I'm not calling inst- Crossface he... He instigated it. <laughs> I, I'm not calling Crossface brain dead because what he was doing was saying very intelligent things about this, and the discourse that popped up around it was brain dead. But the idea of rules as written being something bad, um, that's just stupid. The idea that playing rules as written is somehow inferior to playing a game that has a bunch of house rules or, you know, you, I, I understand there are people who get very high and mighty about playing rules as written, which is part of the brain dead discourse. You know, that certain, certain movements who are like, you know, we play strictly by the book 
the way that it was intended as our forefathers handed down to us. No, you don't. But, you know, that's that's, you know, being dogmatic about it is is also brain dead. But the people who are like, no, you shouldn't ever play rules as written. You shouldn't ever default to what's in the the rule book. Then then why do we have a rule book to begin with? What's the point of rules if we're not going to follow them? Well, oftentimes, like, they homebrew these rules to solve problems that are solved by the rules in the book they refuse to read. Yeah. So, that, that, and those rules in the book are often better than their homebrew nonsense, more often than not. Like, if they just took the time to read it, it's like, oh, it's it's right there. It fixes the problem. And it's, it's better than the solution you came up with. Look at that, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I'm a big advocate of, of, of at least try and apply the rules as written as best as you can. Go as, as close as you possibly can to them and then see what you don't like and then change it. But, like, give it a shot first because obviously those, the designer put those rules there for a reason because they thought they worked. At least see if they work first before you toss them out. You can't... I, you can read a rule book and kind of simulate in your head how the game is going to play, but, you know, you really need to get it to the table to really test how it's going to play, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And... Uh... The, the other brain-dead discourse that I wanted to mention here, and I don't know if Dano is still watching, uh, this is something I actually want to have him on the show to talk about at some point, uh, but Dragonlance. Oh, yeah. The drag- there was a lot of brain-dead Dragonlance discourse online, whether it was uh, the, the people who essentially said Dragonlance uh, was the first like, fantasy narrative to not be racist, and, you know, essentially Dragonlance was, uh, like, a progressive uh, fairy tale or something like that. And then, at the same time, when the Dragonlance stuff actually came out for 5th edition, uh, the the behavior of the uh, quote-unquote professionals who worked on that book when they were uh, questioned about why are you spelling things wrong and why is your art terrible... And why aren't you paying attention to the actual rules that were laid out by, uh, you know, Weiss and the Hickmans uh, in creating this? You seem pretty careless about your uh, stewardship of this IP and them just having complete and total ass-mad meltdowns on, you know, just everyday gamers on Twitter asking sincere and fair questions. That was a brain-dead discourse. Oh, yeah. Well, and the thing is, Yodano actually said he liked the art. He said, like, oh, the art is pretty good. It looks Dragon Lance in the art, but... Oh. And the misspellings. And it was an artist who jumped on him and, like, gave him a hard time, which is hilarious to me because he, he complimented your art. <laughs> Why are you getting bent out of shape? Like, your part, he had no problem with. Why are you upset? So... <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty pretty brain dead. There's a lot of people in this hobby that seem incapable of taking criticism. Um, you know, people like you and me, like we get shit all the time, yeah. and so you know, you just learn to you just learn to deal with it. Like ah, whatever, it's fine. Yeah, maybe actually that person has maybe they have some merit in their criticism of me. I'll try and take that to heart. But like, man, some of these people are just you know, I, I don't really like that this rule here is here. Ah, you're a bigot, and I hate you. I hope you die. It's like whoa. Relax. <laughs> or I believe you should put the bare minimum of effort into uh, this this thing that you're doing, 
and people saying, well, now you're just trying to keep me out. You're trying to gatekeep me. No, I just oh, I want yeah. you to do what you're doing well. I want you to actually put some effort into something for once. You know, this is something we all take seriously, and the more of you who are uh, kind of poisoning the well of interest, it, you know, Im imagine a brand new gamer goes into one of these... You know, loosey-goosey, the rules don't matter. I don't even know what's in the 5th the edition DMG. I'm just flying by the seat of my pants games. And they have a bad time. How do you think they're going to feel about the game moving forward if that was their first experience? People talk all yeah. the time about, like, the overly harsh DM who really, uh, you know, oh, he was, you know, such a dictator. And it really uh, turned me off of role-playing games for quite some time. I think what's more common is the GM who just kind of let everyone run hog wild. There was no structure. There was no order built in. I think that's a lot more common than, oh, that DM was a real dictator. I, I think, oh, that DM needed to control his table more and needed to, you know, be consistent with his rulings. I think that's more of a common problem than, uh, you know, being too harsh or too controlling over your table. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a a much bigger. There's a there's apparently a, a DM crisis in five E right now, you know. And I made a video about this. A um, bunch of people have made videos about this now, and I was like pretty surprised by the number of five E DMs that are current five E DMs or former five E DMs who no longer do it. And they say like, honestly, running this game for these people, the, the players in this in this system. It's just not worth it for me anymore. I'm switching to OSR. I'm switching to Savage Worlds. I'm switching to something else. You know, uh, they're they're playing other games now because they just don't want to put up with this BS anymore. Yeah. So, and this seems to be a problem that is relatively contained within the Five E sphere. So, something's unhealthy in that in that quote unquote community. So, yeah, it's. I mean, honestly, my my sincere hope for 2023 is that as we get closer and closer to uh, the launch of uh, of D and Done or One D and D or whatever you want to call it, uh, whatever your your clever nickname is for uh, Hasbro trying to EAFI Dungeons and Dragons, I hope that the closer we get to that, the more people kind of realize we need to go back. You know, we we need to uh, re return to monkey, as it were uh with with rpgs and so uh honestly for anyone who's looking for that more traditional more stripped back uh you know less essentially homogenized and and uh corporatized version of role-playing uh this game right here that we've talked a lot about star wars d6 it's a good game to get that experience from it's uh you know very much a uh you know, the, the rules are here, the structure's here, but the rules aren't going to get in the way of uh, kind of the Star Wars experience. There's not a lot to learn. It's, you know, just a matter of learning some basic mechanics and then uh, letting imaginations run wild, letting the dice fall where they may, and uh, seeing how, uh, you know, those outcomes shake out. Yeah, I agree. Try, play other games. Just broad. Yeah. Even if you have no... Even if you plan on sticking with 5e or even playing 1D&D, God forbid, uh, playing other games and, and broadening your horizon is 
is uh, only going to be good for you and your if you're a player or you're a DM or GM, you know, just playing one game, one system in my mind is sort of like you just eat dino chicken nuggets and mac and cheese for every meal and you refuse to eat vegetables or you refuse to, you know, drink your water or something like that. So, um, yeah, branch out, have a, have a balanced RPG diet. (laughs) Yeah. Branch out and embrace structure, embrace the order that comes out of the games that you play. I know that's going to sound weird considering how much I've talked about story and role play and how important they are. Um, but here's the thing, like I was talking about with Servant of Shiloh, these are role-playing games. So there's role-playing, there's, uh, you know, character interaction, there's story, there's that kind of stuff, but there's also structure, there's rules that keep it from just being a LARP or, uh, you know, playing pretend on the playground, uh, where, one kid wants to be a Pokemon when you're trying to play Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, that's, you know, embrace structure. Embrace the the rules and the, the basic architecture of your games. And, uh, Vic, we will dinner shame you all we want. <laughs> Don't dinner shame me. Uh, are you eating uh, dino chicken nuggets and mac and cheese? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's good, but you shouldn't eat it for every meal. <laughs> just like how you shouldn't, you just, you shouldn't just play 5e, you know, mm-hmm. which Vic doesn't do. Vic plays lots of different stuff. He does. You know. He absolutely does. Uh, sometimes he goes so crazy, he cuts his chicken nuggets into the shape of robots. <laughs> Put some, he dips them in ketchup or barbecue sauce, you know? Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Gotcha. So that's going to do it for our time this evening. Uh, This has been a great holiday special here, a great, uh, you know, Star Wars holiday special, uh, talking about Star Wars Western Games, Star Wars Saga Edition, and rounding it out with a little bit of uh, an overview of our uh, favorite, least favorite Twitter moments uh, from the RPG world. So uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, this uh, this week of Christmas. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here, John. And, uh, you know, I really had a great time. Oh, thanks for having me on. It was fun. I, you know, I'm going through this on my channel slowly, so happy to come on and talk about a, a fun game that I think more people need to check out. Absolutely. And next week, uh, we will be back here, same time, same place, and I will be joined once again by Tim Mathias from uh, the Knights and Nerds podcast. Uh, you know, one of my favorite people of all time, great guest, uh, you know, been on the show several times, and he and I are going to be talking all about villains in RPGs, how to create them, how to run them, all about villains next week on Rolling Bones right here. Uh, so I hope you guys will join us. And until then, whether you rolled a 1 or a 20, I am so glad that you rolled your bones with me, Ryan Howard, with John the Basic Expert, and I will see you guys next time.